If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, I'll be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew and chapter 6. Today, uh, we're starting a new sermon series called Life Goals. And uh, just before I, before I forget about the homework, uh, I'm going to invite you to do some homework later on. Not that I can assign homework, but I'd offer it to you. If I could offer you homework from the text that we're going to look at today, it would be to secretly do mercy. So you might be thinking to yourself, even now as we start, who would God have me do something merciful for? You might be thinking even now, what could I do that would be merciful? You might be thinking even now, when could I be merciful? So who, what, when, who, who would the Lord be pushing on you to say, you need to do something kind or give something generous or do something sacrificial for, well, for who? For who? So we call this life goals because I think this is what Matthew chapter 6 is about and because you know, something drives you. And it's good to know what it is. So if you, had to, if you had to say in your mind, like, what drives you? So if I put your name in there, and I'd say, whatever it is, drives, and then I put your name in there, what would you be happy if I put in there about? Like, what would be accurate or true? What truly drives you as a person? And in Matthew chapter 6, the first half of it is how we can get this wrong about people's approval can drive us. So we can think all day long and do everything we do, especially religious things, because we're concerned about what other people think. Do you you ever worry about what other people think? Are, Are you concerned about how people think about you, and is that a thing for you? You know, the next, the next part of Matthew chapter 6 is about how we can be driven by treasures or trophies or accomplishments. The, on, in this earth, we can be driven by getting the next medal or the next promotion or the better grades or the bigger or the faster or the brighter or the more secure, or the whatever it is? Is it, is it what people think about you that kind of drives you? Is it life goals? Is it accomplishing the next whatever it is, is it buying the next, storing up enough, whatever it is? Or the, the last third of this is about fear, really being driven by fear. I'm so afraid I won't have enough, whatever it is. I'm so so desperate to try to control the future. And the future seems so out of control. And Jesus sums up this whole thing with what should be the goal. when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So, here's, here's where we've been. We started off in Matthew chapter 5 with a series called Blessed, where it was 
about repentance and about God wanting to bless us, wanting us in the best sense of the word to be happy, like you would want your kid to be happy. And what you mean by that is not a sugar high happiness. It's not the happiness, the the fleeting going away happiness that sin brings. It's not happiness that leads to regret. It's happiness like well-being, happiness like contentment, happiness like deep and eternal joy, the kind of happiness that you, that's the kind of, that's the kind you want. So repentance brings that, and at the bottom of it is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for theirs, or for they shall be satisfied. And then you kind of go back up. So you start with poor in spirit, end with persecuted, and it's shaped like repentance. And at the center of it is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after that, that word we don't use very often, but righteousness, or right with God. It's a sturdy word. It's a trustworthy word. It's a made of stone. It's not a biodegradable word. It is a strong word. Righteousness, right with Godness, like justice. It's trustworthy. Okay? Then we did a series called Different from the next part of Matthew chapter 5. And in this, we said, if you are righteous like this, if you repent, you will stand out. You'll be as different as salt is from whatever it's salting and as different as light is from darkness. Indeed, your right with Godness, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, will surpass. It will be even bigger than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And then we listed six examples of what it means to be right with God and how that actually plays out. That steadfastness, that rightness. So now what we're talking about is we're talking about motivations and how our motivations, so are you going to be motivated by people's approval? Are you going to be motivated by storing up treasures on earth? Are you going to be motivated by fear? Or are you going to be motivated by being right with God? Are you going to be motivated by the kingdom of God? What are you going to be motivated by? That's what we're working on now. So here we are in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus starts with, beware. Okay, I know this is going to be frustrating, but I'm going to stop there after one word. So I've told you before, um, one of the most influential in a really good way men in my life was a professor I had who had a Ph.D., in child um, cognitive development. And he talked about, it was when I had like an infant, so it kind of caught me by attention, because he's talking about toddlers. And he said, you know, if you're going to try to get a toddler's attention, what you shouldn't do is just talk, because toddlers are like puppies. They do not have the attention span to pay attention to you. They're just like all over the place, and you're trying to give them instruction, and they don't even, like there's no chance of them even hearing you. So he says, what you do is you get down on one knee. You take your hands and kind of cup their cheeks. So, so you got your hands like this, and then you get, you, you, so your nose is just about touching their nose. And your eyes are looking straight into their eyes. And then you give them very clear, very specific instruction. You don't have half an hour. You have one or two sentences. If the, maybe one or two words, depending on the kid. Keep it short, 
keep it clear, like pull them in close, get their attention and tell them what you need to tell them. I get the sense that's what Jesus is doing right here. He's, he's got us by the face. He's pulling us in so we're nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, and saying to us, beware. This is something you need to watch out for. What was it Jesus wanted us to beware of? Beware of practicing. I'm just going to annoy you with this Greek word for a couple times. It'll come into play later, but not right now. Beware of practicing, or that's a Greek word, poiao, it's to do or to make. Beware of doing or practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. What did Jesus say you got to beware of? Practicing your righteousness before people so that they see you and go, wow, they are so spiritual. Wow, they must be great parents. Their kids are so well behaved. Wow, they must be awesome grandparents. Their grandkids are so happy all the time. Like, like, wow, they must be... Like, you're going to be tempted to play for people's attention rather than God's. Jesus, like, stops and says, beware. This is something to watch out for. Like, cup in our hands, eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose. Watch out for this. This is going to be a problem for you. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. That hurts. That left a mark. You know, beware of playing for people's approval because if you do, then that's all the reward you're going to get. God will have no reward for you from that. And Jesus said, beware of this because... The temptation will be to live for other people's approval, to impress other people. Now, now listen, everyone here knows that this is a bad idea, that living for the praise of people rather than to please God and glorify God, everyone here knows that's wrong. But why is it so tempting? Why is it so tempting? Why is it so tempting for us to really give way too much weight to what people think. Well, it'd be a fun discussion for later, and maybe you could have that discussion later on the way home, of like, why is this so tempting? But I've given a little bit of thought to this, and I've, I think it's because we know, we know what approval from other people looks like, and we like it. So, so we know what it, what it looks like for all the moms to be impressed with us because our kid knows all their Awana verses. And they're like, wow, how did you do that? Wow, that's so incredible. You're, wow. We know what that feels like. We're not sure what God's approval even looks like or means. So it's easy to play for their approval. You know, we know what it feels like. We know what it looks like to post a picture of our Bible being open and a cup of coffee and a sunrise and up early doing my devotions this morning, click, you know, like, whatever. We know what the likes feel like. We know what the hearts, whatever those things are, feel like. We, we, know, what, we know what people putting comments, oh, I feel so guilty, I should be doing that too. We know what that feels like. 
But what does a heavenly reward even feel like? What does that even mean to store up treasures in heaven? You know, we know what it feels like to have people say, I so appreciated that. We know what their approval feels like. We just don't, I don't know if we really believe that heaven is real and that treasures in heaven are a real thing. This is what God is pushing at. This is what Jesus says. He grabs us by the face, gets down on when he grabs us by the face, nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball. Beware, you're going to be tempted to live for the praise of people. And it is an endless cycle, and it is so unsatisfying because they're so fickle, and it's never enough. So Jesus gives three examples of this. Three examples that, that people then would be tempted to um, live for the praise of people, and then three ways to do it right. So here we go, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, there's a Greek word, poyao. Hey, I tried to annoy you with that in verse 1. I want you to see it's there again in verse 2, and then that's the word for do mercy. So if the word is translated, the two words are translated give to the needy, and I think that's a good translation. But I want you to know it would be maybe a better translation to say do mercy, like do something merciful. So it can obviously include giving. Because their welfare system then was non-existent. Their welfare system was begging, basically. And, and so you, you gave to the needy because they, they really were needy, and, and that, was, that was their safety net. Today, we have a different kind of safety net, different kind of welfare system. And so the two are not always uh, working exactly together, exactly the same. But I want you to know, it's like doing mercy. So it can include more than giving to the needy. It can, I'll show you some examples later on. Thus, when you give to the needy, so it's that we're doing again, second time, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Hypocrites are like pretenders, right? They're pretenders. They're trying to, I look at, have you ever seen in the Old West where the buildings are like three stories tall in front and then in back they're like one story tall? They had that huge facade. Like, Jesus is like, be careful. That might be you. You're going to have this awesome front, and then when you go around behind, people are going to be like, oh, that's what you're hiding. You know, oh, you're not all that, are you? That's the hypocrites. They're pretending. As the hypocrites do, oh, there's that word again, in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. So, so don't be like them. Don't try to sound trumpets and don't try to announce it when you do something kind, when you do something merciful. Don't do that. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. Is the reward... I'm going to stop because I, I was talking too fast. Is there a reward... When people are like, wow, that was so kind of you. Yes, that's a reward. And Jesus is saying, if that's what you're playing for, that's all you're ever going to get. You will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, those are those two words, 
that were there before. One of them is to do or to make. Poyeo. When you give to the needy or you do your acts of mercy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is. There's that word again. Doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay? So Jesus stops and says, Beware. Okay? Pay attention. Hear this. You are going to be tempted to live for people's approval. Do not do that. Instead, do your mercy in secret so that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So if there's one thing I could really drive home about God is that he sees in secret and he will reward you. This is going to be a constant theme here. You'll see this theme here in verse 4, and then you'll see it again in verse 6. So if you look at the last sentence of verse 6, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then you'll see this theme again in verse 18. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is going to be a constant theme. Because, I think it's important, because if you're going to do spiritual push-ups, which is doing your acts of righteousness in secret, you have to believe there's a reward. If you're going to invest spiritual capital, like giving generously in secret, you have to believe there's a spiritual reward. If you're going to work spiritual overtime to make something right, you have to believe there's a spiritual reward. You have to, or you won't do that stuff. And Jesus is assuring us God sees and he will reward you. I don't have time to do this, but I'm going to anyway. I, I might have to leave off parts of my PowerPoint and lose a week of sleep over that. But it'll be okay. I, I'm just going to just say, say this. There are so many people here doing this, that believe that. You guys do stuff in secret. You bless people in secret. You seek out ways to help people and no one ever knows about it. There are so many of you that do that. Let me just assure you, the Heavenly Father sees. He sees your sacrifice. He sees your generosity. He sees how you've been inconvenienced. He sees how you go out of your way. He sees the time that you put in. You don't get any thank you notes from me about it because I don't know you're doing it. The deacons don't say thank you to you because they don't know you're doing it. The trustees don't know you're doing it. The missions committee doesn't know you're doing it. Your kids don't even know. God knows. He sees and he will reward you. He will. What will that reward be? I don't know. I know it's going to be awesome. I know it's going to be awesome. I know it's stuff that I can't even comprehend. Your Father sees, and He will reward you. So what should we do? Well, we should, this is going to sound really, really painfully obvious, but we should do mercy. That's that word poyao that I tried to point out and annoy you with five times in four verses. We should do mercy. We should do something. And so, okay, well, I don't know where to start. Well, you know, we partner with a lot of great organizations. So you could volunteer with Kids Hope. Linda isn't here today, but 
we go in and we volunteer in the elementary school and we mentor kids one-on-one. You could, ment- you could volunteer with positive options. You saw those ladies here today. You could catch them today. But they pre- might encourage you to take the class Making Life Disciples. If you're like, I don't even know where to start, this would be a great place to start. You could volunteer with Love, Inc. You could, you know, it doesn't have to be through a uh, organization, though, for sure. You could visit shut-ins, man. The shut-ins, a lot of times, are lonely. That's one difference between then and now is there is a lot of lonely people, people that have been left behind, people that have been left for dead, people that are left alone, people that are forgotten about. Like, you could go and see some of them. You could, you could make a habit of visiting them, and no one would have to know about it, and you would store up treasures in heaven. You could pay somebody's rent. You, you could do what the Lord is laying on your heart. <laughs> I don't know. You could do mercy, but do it secretly. This is what Jesus said. Do it secretly. Now, now why secretly? I think secretly because I know for me, I could do things for right reasons and terrible reasons at the same time. Like, I have, I, don't, I never know what my motivations are. I think I have the best motives and the worst motives, and if I sit all day long examining my motives, I'll never do anything at any time because I can always find a reason to doubt my motives. But I think if you say, all right, I'm not going to tell anyone about this, I'm just going to do this in secret, then that's the best chance you have of not doubting your motives. Because that's not for people's approval, because it's secret. So do it in secret. So there'll be times when you have to do it in secret and overcome your pride and like not tell anyone a month later. That's still a challenge. Not tell anyone two months later. Like just keep it a secret. Just do it in secret. There'll be times when you have to overcome your pride and do it in secret. There's also times when you have to overcome your fears and do good in public. So I don't want you to know that don't you think that anytime we know about anyone doing good, it's always wrong? Because Jesus did say, let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and give praise to your Father in heaven. There are times when you're going to do good works and know that you're going to be persecuted for it and like, well, that's how it is. I'm just going to do it. So you overcome your fear and you do good works in public and then you overcome your pride and do good works in secret. It's bull. Okay? So your Heavenly Father will reward you, so do mercy do it secretly, and I've, it'd be malpractice for me to not read this next passage to you. And so I'm going to read it to you. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It's going to make you seriously uncomfortable. You're probably going to disagree with it. And I know, I mean, if I could get away with not reading this to you, I would not read it to you. But you need to know this is there, especially in relationship to doing mercy, because you're going to see a bunch of examples of doing mercy here, and you're going to disagree with the stakes. You're going to say, it's not really that important to do mercy. You hear me? Like you're, you're going to disagree with what Jesus is saying about the final judgment here. But it's never a good idea to disagree with Jesus for long. Like, you just got to say, oh, 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 it's Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from the other as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. So he's going to put a group of people on one side and a group of people on the other side, and they're going to have two different fates. 
and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come with me, you who are blessed. Remember our first series? Hashtag blessed. People who repent. Come with you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's where it begins and ends. Blessed are you, my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. Hey, what is that? That's mercy. That's doing mercy. That's giving to people in need. That's what Jesus was talking about. Actually doing mercy. Not just feeling bad for them, but actually doing something about it. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. As you're thinking, what can I do for someone? Well, these are examples. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And the righteous, hey, what are we supposed to hunger and thirst after? Righteousness. What are we supposed to seek? Righteousness. What's supposed to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? I guess I just said it. Our righteousness. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Because they're like, I don't remember this, Jesus. I don't remember doing this for you. And Jesus is saying, when you did it for them, you did it for me. Now, the hard part. Then you will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed. That's Jesus, by the way. Into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. <laughs> That's terrifying. Then you will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not come to visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, we would have done that if we known it was you. We definitely would have fed you if you were wearing a name tag. I promise. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So your heavenly Father will reward you. So do mercy. Do it secretly and do it while you can. While you can. And some of you might be going, well, this sounds a lot like works salvation. And I'd say it's, it's really not. Remember, you're saved by faith. We talked about this in Titus, the book of Titus. You're saved by faith. That's the only way to make sense of the end of the book where Jesus dies for our sins. And rises again to give us new and eternal life. It's the only way. The only way to salvation 
is by grace through faith that he forgives us our sins. The only way. So we're saved by faith, but we're judged by our fruit. Our faith is evaluated by what we do. So, the only way to make sense of the Bible is to see this. You are saved only by grace, through faith. But your faith is proved by what you do. So what you do really, 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 really matters. So here's the homework. Secretly, do good. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we can spend in your word. And I do ask that you'd help us turn to you, receive grace, and then give it to others. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.